Welcome to the Digital Threshold Podcast, where we explore all the ways modern venues and facilities are reimagining their arrival experience. Hello and welcome. Thank you everyone for joining today. Uh, really great to have everyone on, the, on this webinar. See a lot of familiar faces from folks who were on the last webinar with uh, Juliet Kayyem. Uh, great feedback, uh, very successful webinar. Kind of left us stunned and, and we had to go back and say, well, what are we gonna do for the next webinar? And, and we put our heads together and we said, let's go talk to people that we've learned a lot from that were real innovators in the space, um, people that are really trusted within their organization and their communities. Um, and we came up with two names of people that, you know, I can say personally, I've learned a lot from, um, especially during the times of, of this pandemic, because um, some organizations have, have remained open and some obviously uh, have, have closed and, and opened their doors again, um, but have done very innovative things and, and really are the first to go out and test and try new things and, and implement them. Um, and the two people that really fit that um, are Todd Fasulo uh, from The Win. Um, and Anthony Rivera from the Georgia Aquarium. So uh, welcome and thank you, Anthony and Todd, for joining us today. For those of you that don't know, uh, the Georgia Aquarium, awesome place. I'm actually across the street from it right now. Um, they've had 18 million visitors since they opened. There are 10 million gallons of water. They have four gigantic whale sharks swimming around, the only place in uh, the Northern Hemisphere that actually has that. And they have 100,000 animals and 500 species um, in the building, uh, absolutely tremendous place to visit. And then uh, the Wynn, uh, which Todd represents, another really cool place. Um, 30,000 employees worldwide, uh, facilities in Las Vegas, Macau, Cote, and Boston. I know you guys just opened up your Boston property again here this weekend. Um, in Las Vegas alone, there's 4,700 rooms, uh, spanning over 200 acres. Um, so really cool place. They've received more Forbes uh, Guide five-star awards than, than any other hotel um, company. Uh, it's a really special place for those that haven't been there. So thank you guys both for joining us today. Uh, Anil Chikara, co-founder of Evolve Technology, is going to moderate for us. Uh, Anil, welcome. Great. Thank you, Neil. And a special thank you to Todd and to Anthony. We really appreciate you taking the time out. And as Neil mentioned, we got such good feedback from the from the webinar we did with Juliet. And as we dug into it, what people liked in particular was very realistic and practical guidance as they think about reopening, as they do reopen, and as they sort of refine their reopenings. So um, we really wanted to go and get some firsthand experience for everybody to hear from. And as Neil mentioned, not two better people out there than Anthony and Todd. Um, in the case of Anthony, he runs guest services, so he's got very much a sort of front of house perspective on things, and we'll share how Georgia Aquarium planned for the reopening and then some of the th actual tactics and techniques and adjustments they've made in the reopening itself. And in the case of Todd, he leads security out in uh, Las Vegas for the win in the Encore, so a, sort of a little more of a security-oriented perspective. Um, I'm sure there's some safety-related things that he'll share as well, but again, how they planned on their reopening what they did once they reopened, and then how that's being adjusted over time. So we really look forward to getting uh, feedback and guidance from both Anthony and Todd. There is a chat room, so if you want to just sort of put any questions you have uh, in the chat room, we will look at those and we'll moderate them. We have a period of time to cover some Q&A, and then we'll go from there. But with that, uh, Anthony, please share with us what you've done and what you've learned. Well, good afternoon. Thank you, Neil, for um, the intro, and, and thank you for inviting me to this platform. I think it's um, great to be able to share um, all the things we are doing and done um, for the aquarium to get us open um, back to the public. Um, but you know, the innovation side of what we do is sometimes overlooked because we are an aquarium and people don't understand the, the logistics behind that. Um, but that has put us in a position to really be um, successful out of the gate on this reopening. So. Before I, I jump into what we've done, I want to talk a little bit about um, the landscape of how um, the innovation part of what we do was created at the Georgia Aquarium, because that has set us up for the success we've seen coming out, uh, um, out of this closure. So, you know, the Georgia Aquarium being a facility, as Neil mentioned, um, of over 10 million gallons of water. Um, the process of innovation started even before we opened. The aquarium is only 15 years old, but we started that process long before that. Um, and during that journey, 
um, it goes back to thinking 10 million gallons of water, just to give you an example, 10 million gallons of water for us um, in a facility that um, we had to figure out before we opened, how do we maintain and keep 10 million gallons of water in our facility throughout the process? So um, it, it's a fun fact um, to say that the, that the water we started with 15 years ago still exists today in the aquarium 15 years later. So 95% of that water still is in circulation in our aquarium as we go by. And that's contributed to the innovative thinking of generating our filtration systems and our water quality control that we have in play in order to maintain that. So um, the innovation part for us has always been something that we, we, we pride ourselves on from the beginning. So just examples of that, and that's pushed us into the form we live at today. So just some examples, the water being one, you know, um, we took 10 million gallons of fresh water, changed it into salt water and maintained that. One of the only aquariums to do that in the world. Again, innovative thinking before we opened to, to, to deliver that. Um, we, home of four whale sharks, um, again, the challenges, as, as Neil mentioned, in the Western Hemisphere, we're the only aquarium to have whale sharks on board. The reason behind that is the, the travel complexities that take that come with um, transporting um, whale sharks halfway across the world into an aquarium. You have to think about that as you prepare for opening something along those lines. So um, devising a way to, to transport four whale sharks um, across the world for a 36-hour travel, keep them healthy, keep them breathing, and then get them back into a facility that can maintain them. So for us, that was, that was, that was a big um, contribution, again, in, in innovative thinking. Um, we were in the midst of opening uh, a shark gallery that's going to have um, apex, nine apex predators in them. Um, again, the only aquarium in the world that's going to put together nine apex predator sharks to live in one um, habitat. Again, innovative thinking on how do we do that and how do we deliver that to help us stay ahead of the trend. Um, we have a, 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 um, a vet lab that we can actually perform hospital um, procedures in if we needed to for, for humans, but we use that for our animals. Again, innovative thinking to help us prepare for situations such as um, COVID right? Because you never know what is going to come at your footsteps. So we, our mentality has always been, let's think ahead. Let's be ahead of the curve as much as we possibly can to be prepared to handle any situations that um, come to fruition. And for us, that was critical because when COVID hit and we needed to come out of this, a lot of the procedures that people were trying to go to, we were already living it. So that made the transition out of it so much easier for us. Um, a great example of that as well is now for us, for attractions, for venues, for, um, for theme parks, everyone's now, the big talk of town is time ticketing. How do we get into time ticketing so we can control um, the amount of people coming into the facility and practice social distancing? This is something we had in place since um, a year after we opened. So it's something we were able to um, naturally gravitate to and easily make adjustments to be prepared to open. So our time ticketing system is something that we've um, incorporated into our everyday life um, before COVID and now after. So it's made that transition so much simpler for us as, as we move down that road. But the other things we've added to that, right, so it can prepare us is being able to send a ticket through, through a text or a ticket through an email, right? Again, something that people are now trying to do, we already had in place. So it made that transition so much easier for us in regards to that. Um, touchless payments. Everyone's talking about touchless payments as you go through the process. Again, something we've incorporated from our experience from the parking facility. As people come in, they can um, wave their hand across our machine. A ticket comes out. You never have to touch it um, and make that payment process through their cell phones so they no longer have to touch any of, of the items we have in play. Um, Contact payment throughout the aquarium is there so people can use their Apple Pay or their Google Pay or whatever pay they have. We can we can take that off, off the counter. And that's that's been a big addition to making people feel safe and coming back into our facility. Um, along those same same scenarios, um, social distancing is critical for being able to open and open safely. Our number one focus when we opened was open, but ensure people felt safe coming to the venue. 
so that they can return back. So a big part of that we knew was how do we manage the social distancing um, portion of that. For us, the big, the big concentration came in square footage and how many people can we get into this um, facility and things of that nature. The actual execution of it wasn't a challenge for us because we already had a system in play that we monitor um, the internal capacity of the building at all times. We, we have the privilege of being able to receive 25,000 people in one particular day. So for us, managing the crowd was always something that was um, front of mind for us. So what we have in play and we've always used for, for quite some time now is um, uh, uh, digital um, people counter camera system that we have in our facility that allows us to not only count how many people are in the building, but also how many people are in each of our galleries. So that information is, is, is transferred over to our um, operations team on the floor. So they're able to at any time pick up their cell phones and be able to um, indicate how many people are what section of the aquarium. And if we need special attention in one area or the other, that rotation can happen seamlessly from our operations team on the floor. So that's important in being able to deliver safety, but also um, for service standards, right, for us. And again, going back to our philosophy from day one, it was always designed on being innovative, being ahead of the curve, and being um, proactive in our approach. So that was one example of, of how we did that, right? And again, it blessed us when it came to reopening COVID because it allowed us that freedom to be able to focus in on other priorities as opposed to things we already had in play. Um, along those same lines, we have um, to talk about, again, um, innovation. We have beacons through our aquarium that pick up the signal of phones or devices you may be carrying on your person to be able to detect how many people are in one particular area and how long they're standing in one particular area. Now for us, from a security procedure, because security falls under my, 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 um, my responsibility as well, it helped us identify how many people are, are, are gathering in one area. But more importantly for us as well, it allowed us to see how many people were spending time at a particular gallery or a particular exhibit and um, identify was that a crowd pleaser. And if it is, then we knew we could use that same technology to identify future exhibits we can open up. So again, having that technology to be able to track people and be able to see how much time they're spending at a particular area um, helped us um, design for the future, which again is, is what it's all about. Staying ahead of the curve is critical at at a moment like this because it sets you up to propel yourself for um, for, for success. So, so that, that was a big, big, big process for us. Um, we use x-ray technology on the floor for our guests to be able to scan animals and be able to, to look um, layer by layer into the, the body of a particular animal. Again, it's not anything um, mind-blowing, I guess, but it just shows the innovative thinking that we're consistently trying to apply to not only our visits for our guests, but um, our operations to be able to run the building a little more efficiently. Um, we use um, guest feedback forms that we have a system and play where someone can scan a barcode, give us their feedback about anything. So feedback can be, hey, restrooms are, are not in good shape, or B, there's a suspicious individual standing by um, a location or see this social distancing that's happening in this area. And the reason why I mentioned some of those because they have come through this platform of communication that we provide to guests. Now they send that information to us and it automatically goes to the department that's responsible for that area so they can try to address. Now, again, that's come in handy for us on the floor during COVID when people don't feel safe about a particular situation. So having those tools available to them and making sure they're aware of them um, has helped us um, generate the satisfaction of, of the aquarium experience being safe and somewhere I can go with my family, especially during a time when Atlanta is starting to see a spike in the numbers of um, COVID cases happening. So again, promoting an area that's safe and that that's, um, front of mind for people is critical for us and something we put into play um, right out the gate. Um, when we talk about security for us, just to, just to think about some of the things we have in play. And, and again, we're thinking not only 
COVID, but we're thinking security along the lines of protecting um, individuals. Now, before COVID, the big talk was always a mass shootings that were happening, right? So for the aquarium, again, we were ahead of the curve by um, having a shooter detection system in our facility, which no other aquarium has. And, and believe me, I checked and I talked to many people in the industry. Um, we have a shooter detection system in our facility that is directly tied into Atlanta PD, that if a firearm goes off in our facility, they know exactly where in our facility the firearm went off and they can respond immediately so that we close down or we, we, we shorten that, um, that response time so that we can address um, any threats immediately. Again, this was in play um, prior to the mass shooting. So when that happened, we felt like we were in a good position um, no matter what, right? Um, another system we put into play for our staff members is what we, what we have is an emergency communication platform, which is called LiftSafe. And this platform allows our staff to be able to communicate directly to our security team um, about anything they see out there that may be of threat. So that communication starts one-on-one. -on -one. It does safe walks. So if someone's leaving late at night and traveling home, our security team can monitor that, that, um, that communication or that, um, that travel to make sure the individual gets safe and then the individual can turn it off. But things like that help our staff and our guests feel comfortable. Along those same lines, as we continue down this pathway, um, we, 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 we partner with Evolve because of the edge system that allows for contactless screening. We were screening people before everything happened. Um, and, and this was something that naturally fell in our um, platform. So that, that helped us through the process. And now we're looking at the express system, which for our crowds help people get through without having to be touched. So we scan everyone that comes in and make sure they're not carrying a weapon. And, and that system helps us um, monitor that. We use facial recognition right now at the aquarium to help us identify individuals of concern, or if we're looking for a lost child or a lost individual, our security, our security cameras throughout the facility can help us identify some of that. So again, my point to all this is that um, we were ahead of that curve to help us prepare for any type of emergency situation. And that's, that's important when, um, when you don't know what's going to happen, right? Obviously to keep your business open. So temperature scanning, when we opened up, we're doing um, thermal temperature readings of individuals that come in before they come into the aquarium. Having the ability to have that technology in place and do it quickly to allow us to reopen quickly is critical to what we do. So that has played a huge role in us being able to get out the gate before any other attraction in Atlanta and be able to position us to be able to generate cash flow back into our operation to be able to um, become sustainable again. Um, when we closed, we had, we were closed to the public, but we still had a hundred employees coming in to take care of our animals. No revenue coming in behind that to help us um, supplement those expenses. So getting open and getting open quickly and safely was critical to our short-term success, but getting open and, and allowing our guests to feel safe throughout this process was top of mind and a necessity for us for our long-term success. So with that being said, all of those elements played into us making that transition easier and simpler for us to be able to um, open successfully. Today, we're seeing about two to 3,000 people a day come into our venue, which is um, about where we wanna be from a capacity standpoint. So all of that's worked out to put us in a very um, successful position. And it all ties back to 15 years ago when our mission was think innovative, think ahead of the curve and be prepared, right? And we're consistently challenging ourselves to stay ahead of that trend. And we partner with companies such as Evolve for that same reason. Who's thinking ahead? Who's going to help us take those next steps? So critical point for us. So long story short, I just wanted to share that journey with everyone and um, open for any questions once we get to that point. That's great, Anthony. Thank you for that. And yeah, the theme that I heard there was you have a culture of innovation. You've done it on the, the, the marine animal side, you've done it on the aquarium side, and then you've translated that into how you think about uh, security and safety and all those elements to it. So thank you for sharing that. As Anthony mentioned, if you have questions, please put them in and we will uh, we'll get them after this. So now I want to turn a little bit to Todd. 
Uh, so Todd is responsible for security at the Wynn and Encore in Las Vegas. A lot of experience with that. I've known Todd for a number of years and have been impressed with both what the, the Wynn itself has done and then to what Todd and his team have done specifically to keep um, all of the people that go to those venues safe and secure and feeling like they can enjoy the entertainment and the activities that are there. Thanks, Anil. Uh, thanks for having me on this webinar today. Um, I, I have a lot that that is similar to what Anthony just spoke about, but I'm gonna paint kind of a little, little bit different of a picture. When you deal with a hotel corporation that is five-star, who took security extremely serious uh, already, and then you introduce a pandemic that completely threw a curveball for everybody that is in any type of hospitality industry, um, where mass amounts of people gather. It's, it's not just getting in your car every day. It's when you get 25 to 30,000 people walking through a venue every single day, seven days a week, presents a significant security challenge um, for the company. So we looked at it from two different ways. We looked at it from how do we uh, create an environment where first and foremost, your employees feel safe to come to work. Because if your employees don't feel safe, they're not coming. And then the second, aspect is, is how do you create an environment beyond the employee that your guest is going to feel comfortable to come into your property, knowing that you're taking the required safety protocols uh, to keep them safe in an environment where they can still enjoy themselves like they did before we even had a COVID-related problem. So I think one of the big things that I want to stress to everybody that's on, on the, the phone today is it's a, it has to start at the very top of your organization. The the mantra that your CEO or your GMs or your, your top echelon operations team take is crucial to playing out a environment that makes everyone feel comfortable that they're part of the solution when coming into an environment that they're not sure what it's going to be presented. Nobody really knew how to deal with COVID. And if you think back to March, February and March, Everybody was paying attention to what the news was saying, what the feds were putting out, the CDC, the WHO, you name it. Everybody had an idea or an opinion as to how to deal with COVID, how it spread, what the safety measures were in play. Um, but it also started to change just about on a daily and weekly basis. So our CEO came out right from the get-go in Las Vegas, and he decided that we were going to be at the forefront of putting together a guide that showed not only our guests, but anybody that came to Las Vegas, what the industry was willing to do to ensure safety. So it was a top-down approach. And it, it, to get into the weeds a little bit, what it turned into was we were on the phone three times, sometimes four times a week with every single department head within the hotel. So whether it was gaming, the hotel division, food and beverage, the bars, um, the nightlife, the club environment, the people that run the pools or showrooms, it didn't matter. Everybody was on this phone and everyone had to go through based on recommendations that were coming out from CDC and the local health department and put together our own sanitization plan and how every internal department was going to manage not only their employees, keeping them safe, but also the guests. Uh, and then we publicized it. Our CEO came out uh, a couple months ago and publicized that document and it got a lot of attention across the country. Um, was it perfect? No, because it's a never changing breathing document. It, it still changes to this day because we're still getting thrown curveballs. You can't anticipate, uh, and I'll stress that, don't think that you can anticipate every single thing that's going to occur because of COVID. You can't possibly think of every safety protocol. Um, if you would have asked me two and a half months ago, about putting plexiglass barriers up on a 21 table or a craps table to keep social distancing while people game, I would have looked at you like you had horns out of your head because, the, I mean, who would have thought that, right? But as the social distancing um, aspect came up and became a very strong uh, issue across the country, we had to start looking at, okay, how do you, how do you bring a guest into a casino that's an open area and still keep social distancing while they stand at a blackjack table where normally six people sit at that table within about eight feet. Well, now there's only three people and now you have plexiglass that separates you. Um, so not only did we have to start looking at how we did the sanitization plan for each department and how that played into the overall company uh, 
goal of keeping people safe. But we still had, I still specifically had to still deal with normal day-to-day security issues that we dealt with before COVID. How, like Anthony talked about, how do you prevent the active shooter? How do you prevent, um, you know, somebody coming onto your property and doing something bad that we traditionally hear about on the daily news? I still had to deal with that on top of all the COVID. Um, we do a multi-layered approach of security here at the Win. Uh, both covert and overt security measures are in play. And anybody that's been to Las Vegas knows that you can't go anywhere in this town, anywhere on the Strip or Las Vegas Boulevard and not be under some type of surveillance camera. Whether you're indoors or outdoors, there are cameras everywhere. So we monitor that both covertly and overtly. I also have people that um, we take the gun issue very seriously. Uh, for obvious reasons. And uh, after 1 October, which I'm intimately familiar with, uh, this town really changed some culture when it deals with guns. We are very, very strict property for no guns, no weapons. And even if you're law enforcement, we will still scrutinize you carrying a gun if you're off duty. Uh, And that is so that our guests can be assured that we take any type of weapon on property serious and to include our employees, which is why we also use Evolve's uh, machines and our employee entrances. Uh, Every single employee is getting screened before they come on property. And uh, I can assure you that I'm screening guests as they come into the property as well. It's just different types of um, ways that we do that. So going back to the the COVID stuff, once we put out that sanitization plan and we got got, uh, towards the, the stage of reopening, when our governor finally said that we could reopen, we did a lot of the traditional things as well. I went out and we bought uh, over 30 thermal cameras. I have thermal cameras at every, every entrance to our property to include uh, front facing to the guest and also to the employees. Uh, every temperature is taken of every person that walks on this property. And if I couldn't put a camera on the door, I locked the door and we're not using it. We also, all of our employees do a questionnaire every day online through our internal uh, infrastructure where they have to answer four related questions pertaining to COVID and the symptoms. And if they answer yes to any of those, then our policies pick up from there and the employee's not allowed to go to work that day until they are seen by a doctor or they they get a a negative test. the other thing that we looked at doing uh, or that we are doing is, is uh, in, our, in our rooms, as housekeeping cleans a room, and when you check out, we will put a seal on that door to show that that room has been disinfected. We e-mist. Uh, we also have ultraviolet light that we use, um, and then on top of our normal uh, sanitization protocols. But we put a sticker on the door that shows that it's sealed and no one has been in it since it's been sanitized. So that assures that the guest coming in next knows that that room has been been cleaned. Um, food and beverage, big, big, big challenges with that. Uh, obvious, for obvious reasons, when you deal with the social distancing and, and the six foot rule, not only do you limit your capacity in a restaurant, but now you have to look at where you move tables and chairs and how many people you can serve per hour. And then, the touch points. We, we, all, we all talk about our own personal symptoms for COVID and that you can get it by air transmission but, and, and droplets, but what about when you're touching the same common touch points? So we, we now, almost everything on the table is disposable. Um, you still get that five-star experience when you're in our restaurants. You, we, obviously, we're not using plastic cutlery or anything like that, but your tablecloths are disposable. Uh, your menus are disposable if not done by um, electronic. We put a little uh, bar scan on the table where you can use your phone and it'll pull up the menu for that restaurant as you sit there. So we've minimized a lot of those touch points. And, you know, a lot of these things you don't think about it from, the, you know, back to March. Uh, if all of you think back to your own work environment back in February and March, the things you think about now didn't even enter your thought process back then. And that's because it's constantly changing. Um, and then, you know, the, the, so one of the things that's now consuming, that's consuming a lot of my time is contact tracing. And I know that we are one of, uh, we are probably the only ones in Las Vegas right now that go above and beyond with this contact tracing. If, uh, we have a guest that comes on property 
that becomes ill. I have EMTs on the, on the floor 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I have the ability to administer a COVID test on the property to a guest. I have the ability to quarantine them. I have the ability to get those test results in a very quick manner. And then we have uh, protocol and processes in place with the Southern Nevada Health Department to get people the treatment that they need or get moved to a, a, a hotel that affords them uh, when, they're, when, they're, when there's a positive test. Um, so those EMTs come in and, and become crucial. But once you have a positive test, and this goes for employee as well, once you have a positive test, the health department's gonna follow up and they're gonna wanna know contact tracing. And they're behind. And I don't know how it is for everybody else's state, but the health departments that are normally entrusted with uh, or they have the responsibility to do the contact tracing, they're, they're overwhelmed. So I do it here on property because of the amount of cameras that we have. I have the ability to track you anywhere that you go on property other than a bathroom or your room. Now I know when you go in your room, I know when you come out of your room, I know when you go into a bathroom, when you come out of a bathroom, but I don't know what you do in those obviously. Um, but I can uh, go back and check to see if you've had any close contact, which is defined as that 15 minutes within six feet and that 15 minutes is cumulative time, not, not 15 minutes straight time. So I have a team of uh, investigators that work for me that spend a majority of their day going back and we do that contact tracing when we have a positive test and, uh, and we pass that information along to the health department, which really helps them. So uh, the other thing that our CEO did is we tested every single employee before we opened the doors. And now we continue to do um, sporadic testing of samples of different work of the workforce every two weeks. And what that allows us to do is stay ahead of that curve and to ensure that we're minimizing uh, any transmission that could occur within the property, either by a guest or by an employee. And uh, it's proven to be very beneficial. So um, that's kind of where we're at. Anil, and, uh, and I'm happy to take any questions too. I know that's a lot and there's probably plenty of questions about COVID related stuff out there that, that, that may come up in the, in the Q&A. Yeah, that's great, Todd, thank you. And there, is, there are some questions here. Uh, one of them I just wanna go back to you on. I have some for you as well, Anthony. So one of the things that was asked was around the, the executive supports. You started out by talking about it coming from the top. You sort of were talking about the executive support at the later on. What are the kinds of things that the executive team did to support the work you and your team did? What are, what are some of those um, visible things that made the work you did easier that, that others may take from? I think the, the biggest thing that I took away from this company, and I've been in public service. I was a, I was a, I'm a retired officer from our local police department. Um, the thing that I really took note of was the fact that they really put emphasis in making sure that our employees felt safe and that the company was going above and beyond the normal federal or local protocol to ensure that their safety was met when they came onto the property. Because the philosophy is, is that if the employee's happy, then they'll be able to extend that to a guest when they come on property. And uh, so they barred no expense to that. We spent a lot of money and we continue to spend a lot of money uh, on safety protocol, safety equipment, uh, for not only employee, but also the guests. And uh, I thought that was a big deal because that's not an easy thing to do when you are looking at the bottom line and when your business is closed and you don't have cash flow, uh, it says a lot about a CEO that steps up to the plate and says, hey, you know what? I'm gonna make sure that all of our employees are taken care of first and then we'll ensure that the guests that come when we open our doors are safe when they walk through the door. Great. Thank you. It's very helpful, Todd. And Anthony, a couple questions on, um, you talked a little bit about sort of what you do in the aquarium, but as people, as guests come to the aquarium, what do, what do they sort of see as they approach it? What's their process for getting sort of into the aquarium? You talked a little bit about the, the touchless parking, but maybe you can talk about the, the, the guest or visitor experience as they come in, what they're faced with, and how do they get sort of in and enjoy the, the activities and the animals in the aquarium? Absolutely. Um, Key for us was ensuring that as people walked in, they knew what to expect. So for us, it was getting online um, and letting people know, giving them a bullet point checklist of what they're about to go through as they enter the aquarium. So that was one element. And then the next one was on their 
um, print at home ticket or on their um, e-ticket, it was another description of that. But as they entered, they would have to A, have mask on. So once you came into the parking facility, you had to have a mask on your face and wearing it properly. We had staff um, um, sprinkled throughout the parking facility to ensure that people knew where to go, what entrance to come into, because we had two different entrances and we broke that up to keep the flow um, balanced so no one felt overwhelmed at one particular entrance. Um, and then two was to ensure they had the proper mask on and they were wearing properly. Then when they got into our um, entry process, our screening process, they would have to go through the temperature check. Now we used our temperature check where we averaged about three to five seconds to, to physically scan each and every individual coming in. So there was a thermal scan system that our security had in place that every individual would have to stand in front of through our camera system, be able to read that temperature and identify if they had an elevated temperature. If they did, we passed them over to our EMT that we had on site to do a double check of that with a handheld um, gun to ensure that um, the temperature was accurate. If they um, met the expectation it was under, then we allowed them to um, venture into the aquarium at that point. Once they ventured in, they will have to go through our normal security process, which was going through the Evolve system. Um, if we identified anything on their person that caused any concern, then they will get hand wanded and double checked to ensure that that was safe. Um, if they had any bags that triggered, we would inspect that bag. Um, again, with social distancing, just opening up and, and, and wanding in, in, in that particular area and then allowing the person to enter, ensuring they, again, they had the mask properly worn and then their ticket will be scanned and they venture off into the aquarium. One big thing for us was we had um, sections divided so that people can naturally gravitate into an exhibit and be social distanced from each other while they view the space. We have staff in that location as well, helping to ensure social distancing is happening and that masks are being worn. So um, an elevated um, arrival in regards to that played in. And, and to Todd's point as well, um, and I didn't hit on this, our cleaning program had to be um, notched up um, way above CDC guidelines, right? So electrostatic cleaners were consistently being used throughout the day. And then a, a deeper clean happened during our closures. Now, when we first opened, we had a small amount of time, um, a three hour visit, then we closed for an hour, do a clean and then reopen. Um, that helped people just feel safe and it allowed us the time to be able to deep clean into the facility. Um, and people felt, felt great about that along with hand sanitizers as everyone knows throughout the facility in regards to that and then people cleaning throughout the day and guests were able to see that actual cleaning happening along with the normals, right? The plexiglass being up, people protected um, along those, those, those type of guidelines. So that's, that's the experience that people were um, greeted with as they came in. And then on top of that, just a limited capacity, which was critical to us being able to deliver a safe experience. To mention to Todd's point, everyone was temperature scanned coming into the facility, including our staff. Our staff had to go through the same temperature check and if they were identified with a high temperature, they would have to go visit their uh, medical professional that we have on board um, to ensure that they were um, safe to come back. And sometimes that would be a quarantine for three days. Sometimes it was 14 days, depending on where that fell will determine um, what, what type of quarantine an individual had to um, go through. For individuals, if they registered high temperature, them and their party would have to um, re reschedule their visit for another time. That's great. Thank you, Anthony. So Todd, uh, there's a question on bag checks. If you can answer sort of how you're doing bag checks, and then if you could just summarize some of the lessons learned. You've, when we talked before uh, the webinar and preparing for it, there's a lot of changes and continuous learning that you guys have had. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, but if there's sort of, you know, two or three just things for people to take away from your experience. If you could just share those, that would be really helpful. Yeah, sure. So when it comes to bag check, I have uh, security that are specifically trained to observe for certain types of human behavior and for weapons coming into any of our public entrances. If you're carrying a bag that is uh, not going through a bellman, such as um, a hard case or a backpack, uh, you'll be approached and we will ask to inspect your bag. And when we do that, we advise the guests that, hey, we're a no weapons facility. We do these bag checks to ensure that no guns are coming in. And then we put a tag on the bag so that everyone else on the property knows that that bag has been checked. If you do happen to get in and you don't get that bag check uh, tag on your bag, 
another employee may see that at a later time and then notify us and then we'll hunt down that guest and we'll go over and inspect the bag. If it's a normal suitcase, obviously it's going through the bellman um, and uh, it's heading up into the room. Uh, but we're mainly looking like at the, for the backpacks, the hard cases, um, that kind of thing. As far as lessons learned, um, I, I would say that one of the biggest lessons is uh, how, how, do you, how do you mesh new security protocol with a guest experience? And the things that you don't traditionally think about, uh, like your social distancing for um, a queue line. Our buffet here, usually on a busy day, you, you'd have 50 to 100 people standing in line and people are not used to social distancing. They're used to hearing the term, but they're still not practicing it all the time. And the labor demands that come across for ensuring that people maintain that social distance because now you have to babysit the queue line, or if you throw up a thermal camera like I do at every uh, employee entrance and every guest entrance, that requires more manpower. And then if you have somebody that comes through and that temperature is above 100.4, well, what do you do with that person? Now you need even more labor to go and to deal with the person that you pull out of that, out, out of that entry point to do a secondary screening. And if the secondary screening proves to be above 100.4 again, then what do you do? And that never ending labor process continues to flow. And at the same time, you're trying to be fiscally responsible, right? But you're also supposed to be doing the right thing from a health standpoint. So I would say really scrutinize your labor and understand that as you go through and you look at your sanitization processes, look at where it's gonna, where it's gonna arbitrarily add to your labor cost because that's normally not something that you think about right off the bat. Um, the other thing that is a good lesson is designate somebody as the, uh, the take ownership in the never ending changes that come out of CDC or your local health department or even what your state government or your governor may be putting out because sometimes they contradict each other Sometimes uh, the state is more scrutinizing than the federal level, and sometimes it's vice versa. And uh, you need somebody that has the ability to communicate that internally so that the message is clear across all avenues of your company. And there's so many moving parts, everybody's gotta be on the same page. So somebody has to take ownership with that. I wish that right from the very get-go, we would have had somebody that was on that CDC website every single morning, determining what was new, uh, having discussion with it, and then making, recommendation, making recommendations to the rest of the operations team or the upper executive staff of the company uh, on different protocols that we should be looking at moving forward. So, because that's a never ending moving target. That's great, Todd, thank you for that. I know you have another commitment coming up. So if you do have to drop before we do the wrap up, I wanna say thank you very much for participating. Um, a lot of things I learned and I'm sure everybody on the call learned. So thank you if you do have to drop in. We appreciate the time. Thanks. Okay, I'm gonna to turn to Anthony now. So Anthony, um, you've, you've been doing this for a long time, various aspects of contactless, right? And the COVID uh, changes are just so the latest in that. Can you just share you know, one or two or three lessons learned you've had as you have uh, deployed this and made course adjustments? Absolutely, and I think to highlight Todd's point, of having someone on the CDC um, site, that was our guiding body on uh, determining what safety precautions were gonna um, put into play for us um, was a number one thing. And, and consistently monitoring that and being able to not only monitor it, but also understand how does that um, um, co coexist with um, the city mandate, right, for us. And that was the big understanding is getting in and then understanding when they contradict it, which one do you have to follow legally, right? That, that was a big thing. So I wanted to highlight that from Todd because that was a great point um, that helped us through determining what steps um, we're going to generate and how do we create phase one, two, and three for us. And, and that CDC guideline and understanding how that trumped a lot of the city mandates um, came into play. But um, that was one thing for us. I think what's critical, um, lesson learned, was staying nimble, right? I think you have to stay flexible along the lines and communicate that to your team and your um, guest. Um, being able to consistently get, um, let your team understand the process 
has been a heaven sent for us. We spend a lot of time communicating to staff members just so they felt comfortable in our process and understanding the why behind anything we did. And that's critical for us. That's a, that's a, uh, a philosophy I have here is explain the why to people so they get it and they can support it as opposed to dictating um, the, the policy, right? So, so that was critical for us and that helped us move, move the angle along, um, but also with um, communicating to the public. That was critical. So two weeks before we opened, we were already starting to put out information to guests to say where we're looking at this day. When we open up here, some of the um, processes we're going to have in place. And then we consistently said, continue to visit us on um, our website to get the latest. And we consistently kept that updated because it was an ever-changing landscape. So communicating to staff, guests, and consistently having that communication be open was critical. The second one for us that was that's that I have to I have to live by because that's what I do is partnerships creating partnerships with um, industries around you they don't have to be the same um, industry but just other people in the hospitality world for me was critical I was able to connect consistently and I do this all the time with the um, Falcons with the Hawks um, football with our restaurant, our hotels, our other attraction and venues, just to talk about, hey, here's what's going on. What are you guys doing? How are you going to do that? Um, did you think about this? Did you think about that? And all that constant sharing of information helped us prepare ourselves for the opening. And it was shared knowledge across the city that helped us um, unify and approach so that people had the same experience if they went to one venue or the other, or very close to that, which was um, important for us. But it also opened up our eyes to things we weren't even thinking about, right? Having another set of eyes from a different industry be able to point things out. And then the, the third and most important part was there was um, resources shared, right, across those channels. So when we're looking for um, uh, mask and gloves and hand sanitizer, right? You're trying to determine where do I get this when everyone else is looking for it. For us, it was critical to have those connections because if one person had something, they can say, here's my vendor, they're open, they're able to sell you some. So we were able to exchange information like that across the channels to help us get through COVID specifically. But that's a universal approach here in Atlanta for us is where we share that knowledge, which helps us stay ahead of a lot of these trends we did. So I say partnering with your neighbors, I think is critical and important because they open up um, opportunities for you to um, expand your business in, in the technology side. So that helped us tremendously. So I say consistently talking to um, individuals, just like this forum right here, allows you to get a different perspective on things that you can apply to your business in, in your ways of operating. So um, for me, that was critical. Great, great, Anthony. If I could just grab Todd for one second before he leaves, there's a question on the COVID testing service you use. I don't know if you can sort of share who you use, but uh, there was a question on that. Yeah, I just typed an answer on that one too on the Q&A. Um, we uh, partnered with the local university uh, medical center here, which is our county hospital. Uh, so I use an EMT that will actually administer the test on property. And then there is a courier service that the hospital provides. They will come as soon as we call them, they will come pick up the sample, take it back to the hospital, throw it into the lab. And I usually get results within anywhere between two and six hours, um, depending on how busy the lab is uh, that, that can fluctuate. So that's where um, the partnership is, but also as a city, the county and the resort association here also uh, unified and came out with some standardized procedures. So every hotel has the ability to do what I do, um, but some of them may not have the EMT on property like we do. So my test can be immediate. Uh, if you feel the, if you have the symptoms, I can have you tested within 15 minutes. Other places may have to call. They have somebody come over and actually administer the test. Great. Thank you, Todd. Um, and then, Anthony, there were a couple questions on some of the technologies that you mentioned. So um, one was around the emergency um, alerting, which I think is live, live safe, you said, right? And That's then there was, one, there was one on the shooter detection. Is it shooter detection? Is it, is it SDS that you're using or somebody yes. else? SDS. Yeah. SDS is what we're using for our shooter detection. And LiveSafe is the emergency platform we use for our staff. Great. Thank you. Okay. I really appreciate it. So um, here's what I heard. I heard from Anthony all about innovation 
an innovation in the aquarium that sort of drove innovation in safety and security. That was the theme I heard from him. And in terms of Todd, I heard five star, right? It's a five star resort. It's a five star mentality. It starts with the executives and how do you pervade that to the, to the employees first? Because if they feel good, um, they will sort of operate in the right way and, and feel good about working there and then they'll take care of the, the guests as well. So those are the two, if I had to summarize sort of in, in two different uh, words or three words, innovation and five star. So thank you both for doing that. I really appreciate your time. Um, I'm gonna just turn very quickly to Evolve and give you just a quick two minutes on it because it's really much more about Anthony and Todd than it is us. So, you know, much like you heard from Anthony and Todd, we've been talking to lots of other uh, customers and organizations as well about these types of topics. This is broadly the kinds of things that you heard over the last hour. Um, we are focused really on the fourth and fifth um, and a little bit of the sixth. So um, I'm gonna just show you the product in a moment, but we focus on detection of weapons. Um, that's how we got started as a company about seven years ago. And that's largely why our customers are using us. Um, as the COVID um, situation hit, a lot of people asked us about thermal cameras and use of them. So we are incorporating them into the product. Um, Todd mentioned the use of thermal cameras and Anthony did as well. We are not using our thermal capabilities with either the Wynn or with Georgia Aquarium. I just wanna be clear on that. We're just starting to roll them out now. So we're just finishing up some field testing there with our thermal cameras. Um, and this is the product. This is the Evolve A Express product. Um, so both of these gentlemen have experience with our first product. This is our sort of second product, our new and improved product that came out there. It's about screening lots of people very quickly in a low touch contactless way. Um, and you can get more information on our website on it. I don't wanna spend a lot of time talking about it. Um, there are a host of organizations using us globally. Um, you can get information on them on the website as well. And then if we just go to sort of one more, um, both Todd and Anthony talked about resources. So one of the things we put on our website is links to lots of resources, including the CDC. We actually had the original document that Todd mentioned that the WIN organization put out. He, they put it out publicly. And so we put a link to it and a lot of people had interest in it. And I think it's what both of these gentlemen said, which is there's so much interest in sharing. There's so much lessons learned. It's such a dynamic environment. And what we're trying to do is just create some more of that sharing here for the benefit of all of you and the people that are coming into your organizations. So um, that's all I've got. I'll turn it back over to Neil. Thank you, Todd and Anthony. Um, impressive as always. Um, you know, you guys just lead a culture of innovation with safety and security and, and uh, employee and guest experience always at top of mind. And um, it's just impressive watching everything you do. And I really appreciate you sharing it with the, the Evolve family um, because uh, I think there's a lot that, that people can learn. And you know, my big takeaway here is, you know, we, we go to a lot of webinars where, you know, people talk about big strategic thinking, but kind of forget about the actionable things that you actually need to do um, to create a safer environment. And you guys really talk specifically about actions that, that you've taken that have proven to be successful. I think, um, you know, makes this, this webinar very different than, than most out there that, that we're seeing. So uh, I think you created a very unique experience for, for the audience. Um, so that said, thank you, um, Todd, Anthony, and Anil, and uh, thank you to all the participants. We will have this recording available um, if you want to share it with any of your colleagues um, afterwards. And of course, you see uh, Anil and I both have our contact information up on the slide. Uh, if you have further questions or want to learn more about Evolve, uh, we're, we're always available. So thank you all for attending and um, have a great week.